Imagine a business built on what matters most to you. One inspired by creativity and connection, where purpose leads to profit and wealth is measured not just by your bottom line, but by your higher self. Welcome to the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast, where we connect the spiritual with the practical to create a holistic approach to entrepreneurship. Leave the hustle behind and let your intuition lead the way as you grow a successful, fulfilling business and a joyful, radiant life. Hello, my wise ones, and welcome back to another episode of the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. My name is Lee Shea McDonough, and as always, thank you for joining me today. I have a fantastic interview in store for you. It is with a colleague of mine named Lisa Princick. She is phenomenal. I mean, I think you are just going to be so captivated by her in this interview. She really knows her stuff, and she really wants to help intuitive entrepreneurs get really clear on their messaging, what makes them special, what sets them apart, and how they can communicate all of that to their clients. So we're going to dig into that in today's interview, and we're going to weave in how your intuition can inform the work you do as well. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Lisa. She helps impact-driven business owners dive deep into their unique value and business models to build sustainable seven-figure brands. She helps them simplify their offers, focus their brand with bolder messaging, and strengthen their marketing systems. She herself is a trained business strategist and marketing mentor, and she's the producer of the phenomenal Mastery and Message podcast. If you have not checked out Mastery and Message, I highly recommend it. You can download and subscribe it wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you may even find an episode featuring me. So of course, I'm going to suggest you start with that one. Lisa is a results-oriented deep thinker who has a knack for seeing the value of each business and turning that into a pipeline for ideal clients. She has so much to share with us today, and so I'm very excited to introduce you to Lisa Princek. Lisa. Welcome to the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Well, I am a huge fan of you and your work. And so I'm excited to share you with the Work Your Inner Wisdom audience. Yeah, so so let's get started. Tell me about you and your business and the work that you do for the world. Well, that's such a meaty question. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I am a business and marketing strategist, and I focus on helping business owners who are maybe still trying to get to that six-figure level, or they're kind of at that level, and they've been busy with, with referrals or still trying to get to that point, help them figure out their positioning, so their u- unique place in the world why people need them, how they differentiate from everybody else, and help them develop the confidence in their brand and their values so they can actually start to get out into the world in a bigger way. And then once they have established that and they're feeling confident or they've already figured out and they have a following, like a pretty strong but small following, I help them create the marketing system so that they can scale. You know, I have to say, as you were talking, I I think you defined the word positioning so beautifully because that's a word that I've seen a lot and heard a lot as I've been building my business. And the idea that it has to do with someone's unique place in the world is such a straightforward way of defining it. And it made me think that a lot of times we coaches tend to focus on what's your niche? Who do you serve and how do you serve them? But positioning, it sounds like it really starts with the business owner? How do you want to show up in the world? How do you want to position yourself in the market? 
Well, yeah. And the reason why I use the word positioning, even though people don't totally, it doesn't, it's not sexy, you know, it's not super appealing and it sounds a little old school, just like value proposition, which is another word I would love to use a lot more of because they're business terms that really help us understand what business is all about and help us see it as a product market fit instead of just like this thing that we do and this, you know, this kind of shiny bells and whistles thing that we see on the other end of marketing. But what, you know, I I want people to, I want to bring that language back to people who are starting to, to help them understand it, but also to help them see how important it is. And I do agree that as service-based practitioners, we aren't going out and saying, oh, there's a gap in the market. There's nobody with this shop in town or nobody's actually helping people with this. I've never seen it before. I know there's a market for me. We actually just do what we love and what we're good at. And then we try to get it out in the world. But there's so many people who are doing it already. So it means we can absolutely do that work because we know it's being purchased and used by others and sold by others. But we're not coming about it from just the thing we're not trying to fit into the need we're trying to find the need with our skill set so that's why it has to come about a different way i love that so it really is blending the the internal world with the external world you know we're starting with ourselves and our strengths what makes us unique but then we do need to figure out and where does that fit in the world around me with my clients and and how i want to show up and serve and so it sounds like you're really someone who helps bridge that gap between what makes that service-based entrepreneur unique and also how they can serve the market. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm so, that's so important to me is because it's kind of like, I always have been on this sort of quest for like inner truth and inner peace. Like that's just the way I think. I always want to go to the root of everything. Like what's the real thing that we all want? What's yeah. the real thing we crave? What's the real truth? And to me, the truth in business is actually is that product market fit because that's what business is all about. To skip it, which a lot of people do, and a lot of people sell the skipping the steps kind of stuff. To me, it doesn't really do anyone a huge service because you know, all these things that we see out there in the marketing world, like build your list here and try this widget or this funnel, you know, we don't really have any business taking it or it being sold to us if we're not at the point where we can articulate our value or if we even know what that is, let alone being able to communicate it. I have to go to the place that helps people figure out the big step before they can do everything else (laughs) because that's just the way I do things. Well, no, I love that because I think when you don't understand the value that you bring, then you're trying to sell a product or a service that isn't really anchored in what you believe and and who you are and how you can serve the world. And so that leads to a sense of just inauthenticity. You know, it doesn't feel good. And and I think that shows up too, that if someone does buy your product or service, they're going to see right through that. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people who do enough marketing in that they can reach a whole bunch of people and, and have a, quite a few of them be satisfied and maybe not all of them, but it doesn't really matter because their model is a sales model. But when you're working like one-on-one or even one-on-many and you're creating relationships with people, which is the early on business process. And for some people, it's, it's what they do forever. You want a high satisfaction rate. Like you want people to to really get a good value out of you. And so you want to be really truthful with what you're selling, your ability to sell to them. 
and why they need you. But it's not even just that. It's the fact that if we don't show up in our, with our truth and our unique value and our perspective and communicate that in the way that our potential clients can understand, digest, and really actually hear, then we just won't make any money. And then we're not doing, we don't have any impact. We're just hanging out with our hobby business, trying to make a living. And then that's just not a fun cycle to be in. So I feel, I feel like it's a step that can't be skipped. And it's actually brings us closer to the impact or the meaningful part of our work that we love. It's like, why do we set out to do this work in the first place? It's to actually do what we love. We didn't kind of set out with this big multi-million dollar venture idea if we're practitioners, right? So I think it just brings out that fulfillment piece, which is super important to me and a lot of my clients. And to me too. And, and you were really speaking my language earlier when you were talking about how it's about getting to the root and finding the truth. And I think personally, that's been a huge part of my life just in terms of self-development and so forth. I've been fortunate that it's been able to be a part of my career as well, first as a therapist and, and now as a coach. And so I'm really curious that as you kind of stepped into this role in your business, what did getting to the root and finding your truth look like? Well, that's a good question because I've, I've probably, I'm still always finding my truth, but okay, I'll tell you what's happened to me more in the last year or so, because I've been hacking away, I would say for 10 years. Like I started out as a life coach, just organic, taking a class. I didn't even really know that I wanted like how I wanted to run the business. I didn't have my value proposition. I just learned a skill set. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to be a life coach. But back then, nobody really knew what it was. I mean, this is 10 years ago. And so I didn't come about it that way. And so that's why it's interesting that that's how I want to teach people because I know that that's the big glaring thing I missed. Right. You lived it. Yeah. And I didn't have a mission either. Like I wasn't one of these people who came out with this, hey, I suffered from health issues when I was young and now I'm on a, a mission to help other people the same issue. Like I just wanted to do work I loved and I wanted to do work that didn't go against my values or kind of like dumb me down or numb me down. So that's partly what I, and I wanted more freedom. I wanted more flexibility to be outside and do all these things and live in small towns and adventure. So it came about it that way. So I wouldn't say I went into it with the, with an easy success path. So I just want to put that out there. But the other thing that I've discovered recently is I'm doing, I'm here because I'm pretty ambitious. Like I am not a workaholic ambitious but I am somebody who isn't afraid to try things and isn't afraid to, to um, put myself out there. And I don't always do it consistently. And I, I mean, I do now, but I didn't up until like a year ago. And so I finally started realizing that I'm pretty ambitious and I can stand for something that's pretty big. And so that's, so part of the wording I've been using lately, which is potentially a bit of my truth is like, I can, you want to grow a million dollar business? I can help you build a million dollar business. And that's pretty risky, but it also feels like that is, I, I, I am that person who likes to have a big vision or big goal. And that really excites me. So that's part of the, the truth that I realize is that I want to work on bigger results because it's exciting for me as well. And not just kind of try to get people places. Like I love the small wins and the small steps, but I'd love to stand for bigger things. 
Yeah. And I love that you are unapologetically showing up and saying, yeah, I am ambitious. And this is how I can make this work for me and for my clients. And as a result, I get this sense too, it goes beyond merely being confident. And it really moves into this place of conviction where you know that this is who you are and what you're good at, and you know how to get it done. Yeah. I mean, that hasn't happened quickly though. I mean, yeah, no, but I, I like do. You're like a 10 year overnight success. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I tell it. I say, I actually even got a blog post on my, on my <laughs> website about that. Yeah, it's true. I really, I didn't own it for a very long time and I had all kinds of things. Like I did a lot of personal development work. Then I had a baby. My baby didn't sleep for years. So, you know, I, and then I went, had a, got a divorce. Like there was a lot of things that sort of threw me off in that time that wasn't, I wasn't really like, grounded in my life as well to be able to look at this stuff. So it did take longer to figure out, but it also really, it really challenged me because I'm, I'm not necessarily someone who wants to work around the clock. Like, you know, there's the achiever personality. I'm not the achiever personality at all. Like I'm, I'm actually, I think, I don't know, and this is Enneagram, which is kind of my latest, you know, we all have these the Enneagram is what brought me into psychology. Oh, like when I was 15 years, I'm a huge Enneagram fan. Okay, so, so what number are you? I want to know. I, I, I am a two with a very strong three wing. Interesting. Okay, cool. And you? And you? Okay, so I, I, I did a little mini test and it said I was an eight, most likely with a seven. So an eight is a challenger. Okay. And then the seven is the enthusiast. So like I am... And that's been hard for me because being a challenger is almost a bit like it can be almost confrontational feeling, you know, like I don't, I don't, it's, it's more because I'm really love to, I love a challenge and I love to, but I don't want to hammer. Like I'm not a three, like I could right. be a little bit of a three, but I don't want to work around the clock. Like I don't want to just be a hard worker. Like I'm not that person. I want to like try something hard and then try something and do something different, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Or just do nothing. Like I'm really good at downtime. So I feel like that has been something that I've had to really grow into and, st and like stop worrying about what people think and stop worrying about putting myself out there and how that might be viewed. And it's not like I worried about that a, a lot, but I think I worried enough. I think it was probably a bit of imposter stuff because I am willing to sort of put myself out there a little bit before I've perfected everything. And I, I've had to, to get comfortable with more with that. Well, and I think one of the things too about the Enneagram 8 is that you really do have the capacity to be such a powerful leader, you know, because you have, well, it's that conviction of purpose and, and you know the direction that you want to head and you can lead other people that way too. We're getting way into Enneagram here, so right. I will leave all sorts of links <laughs> for people yeah. who want to learn more. And maybe I'll even do a podcast episode on it coming up. When I get towards my unhealthy state as a two, I go towards eight. I pull on the unhealthy qualities of the eight when I'm not in a good place. And so then I find myself getting um, kind of dictatorial and I can tell people what to do and it's my way or the highway. Um, but when, when eights are really at their healthiest, then they're grounded and they're strong, they're powerful, they're leaders. And that's what I think I was picking up on when I was listening to you speak about your truth earlier and being ambitious and, and saying that with such conviction. Yeah. And I think that we can hold space for other people like to, to do, take action and feel stronger with it. And I think that's the part that I've 
had to recognize and, and, I, and also find those role models because I don't think there's a lot of female role models in that eight challenger mm-hmm. place. Like it's, or, or there are people who haven't refined that. You've got to refine challenger. Challenger needs a lot of personal development. I'm just going to put that out there <laughs> because <laughs> without a lot of personal development, a challenger can be just challenging for the sake of challenging and, it, and it's not always needed. Like people don't always need to be pushed. And I, I've, it's taken me, you know, I've, I've been, I understood that for many years, but I mean, it's hard to be like in your teens and twenties and cause you haven't got that refinement yet. Cause we're so, when we're younger, we're so like self-absorbed in our own drama and stuff. Right. So it's hard not to kind of just show up with these, like, but I know the answer or I know what you need to do. So it's a, it needs a lot of personal development and then it's really effective. So I think I've just finally come to terms with, I did a ton of personal development when I was younger lot of time spent like finding myself and doing all kinds of crazy things. And then now I think also my son turned seven last year and it was like, Oh, like my brain is back. You know, I can think a lot about me and who I am in the world again. And now those two have come together in a perfect storm. I think, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think also that's maybe what puts you in such a wonderful position to serve coaches and service-based entrepreneurs because you were a life coach yourself. So you have that experience and you also have that personal growth work that you've done. And so you really identify with kind of where coaches and helpers and healers are coming from. So it really just, it positions you in a really strong place to support your people too. Yeah. I get where they come from. I understand what it's like to really care, what it, you know, to really want to find our right place in the world and have that be more important than just making money at the end of the day. And then sometimes not even valuing making money, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that I think did was really hard for me for a very long time was this whole idea of, but I don't care about money. Like it's not my thing that I, and so I actually had to sort of start to care about it. Like I had to start saying, no, I do want to make money because I needed to answer the ambitious side of me that was getting denied because I wasn't, because my values wasn't about stuff or ownership or achievement. So it was a really weird thing I had to get through in order to accept that I want to be successful because I want to go for my own goal. Like this is my time in my life. And I wanted, and I had to put like, allow that to be about kind of money in some ways, even though at the end of the day, it's just about doing the work <laughs> and actually following through on my own marketing and all that stuff. Like I feel really good when I send something out, even if I don't get somebody who buys it immediately, I still feel really good when I follow through, but I still, but it's also about reconciling that what really matters with what are some of the indicators that show us that that is success and it allows us to kind of find that balance between them. I, I think that's a really important point. This idea that, if what we want is a quote, successful business, we need to know what we're looking for, what to measure and, and what's going to lead to that. And I'm wondering what you see coaches and spiritual entrepreneurs skip or miss or, or overlook when it comes to building a successful business. Okay. So there's probably a few things because <laughs> we miss a lot. I've missed a lot. I'm sure you've missed some things. I have. Well, I think the big thing is getting too caught up in our craft, you know, like getting too caught up in the learning of the being better at, at, at what we do and getting more and more training and helping that that will build us confidence rather than just going into like doing, just doing it and starting to do the business side. 
because I think those are very different things. And I knew quickly on that I liked the business side and that was challenging because I could have probably been fairly successful as a life coach at the time because I had a strong, small network and I, what I did get a lot of clients, but I noticed that I really wanted results. Like I wanted, like I wanted to start seeing more people get similar things. I felt like there was a missing link for me when I was working with people and I wasn't sure where we were headed. And that was hard for my personality, I think. So I, I think it's about knowing what part of it you really like and then asking like, do you really want to hand, like go into this business side of things? Can you get the knowledge of the training to understand how to do that in a way that is still heartfelt? Like it's still heart centered. Like nobody's asking you to do things you don't like. It's maybe that mindset piece around allowing you to go out and state, here's what I want and follow through with doing it because it's not, it's not natural to people who want to serve all the time is to, to go out and just like focus on the business part. Yeah, you're right. You've basically described the last four years <laughs> of yeah, my life. Right. Because, and I think for me too, bringing the Enneagram back in, my primary type being a two, the helper, it really was very like service oriented. It's not about the money. How can I help people? I mean, that's why I went into social work and then therapy. I mean, it really, that was a huge component of my identity. Yeah. And, and, to, and that felt comfortable for me. And what did not feel comfortable was my three wing, that achiever, the part that wanted status and work hard and be famous and, and all of that stuff. I felt like I had to quash that. Interestingly, it wasn't until I started my own business that I realized, okay, this, this strong three wing that I have, I can really leverage this to help me in my business and to keep me balanced so that it doesn't become serving other people at the expense of my business. And I found that the more I started working on my business, the more I really loved it. Um, now I'm trying to figure out, okay, I can't do everything. So where do I stop and where does delegation need to begin, which is a whole nother topic. But it's been really interesting for me in my personal entrepreneurial journey to, to see how to combine the client-facing side and the desire to serve with the inward CEO-facing side and, and how to really protect and advocate for my business. Yeah. And I also think that it's important to start looking at like, you're, you know, we're all humans and we all have all these qualities in us. Like there's always ambition in everybody. <laughs> and so it's, you know, if we've chosen a journey of business. There's something in us that wants to succeed. And so we need to start kind of admitting that a bit more openly and surrounding ourselves by those people. So one of the things I didn't do early enough on is start really connecting to my peers and, and developing relationships with people who what we had mostly in common was our business because I've never done that before. Like I even, I would say even to a couple years ago, I don't think I had a lot of business friends. My friends are awesome women, uh, but we go mountain biking and we have similar values and we have all these things in common, but we don't necessarily have business in common. They may own them, but not be growing them online. And we don't have the same language or context. So that was something that I didn't put myself in early enough was like, finding a group or finding a few people or whoever or keep running through those relationship development um, exercises so that I could have like where I thought was sort of my place in the online world. And I didn't do that early enough. And that kind of caught me a bit isolated. 
and I lost a lot of confidence and I, it, cause because I would, I'm the kind of person that sometimes I'll try something and I think we all do this though and be like, Oh, that didn't work or that didn't really get that result that I was thinking I would. And then I think that the whole strategy is not right. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> keep going. It's probably right. It just didn't work this time. So that's something I've also really want to help people understand is that it's not that email marketing doesn't work. It's not that webinars or freebies or whatever. It's just that everything needs to line up and we need to get closer and closer to figuring out how we're meeting people and where they are and leading them on a journey of transformation while we work with them. And even before we work with them, that is our work that we need to do. And we need to be a dog to a bone until we figure it out. Really coming up with our process so that once we have the client in the room, once we're actually doing the work, like many of us, that's, that's where we shine. That's, we're comfortable with that. But there's a lot that goes into getting that client in the room. And making sure that you have a structure and a framework that supports you. And then when you're ready to look at other ways of maybe it's not just that one-on-one -on -one client work, maybe I want to scale into groups or memberships or whatever that might look like. If you've got that solid foundation in place from the start, it's going to be so much easier to scale your message. Totally. Yeah, we need that. We need to get the, the clarity in what we do. So the process, and that's something that I knew for a long time I needed to do, but I didn't necessarily have that figured out. And so that's, so the couple of things that I really help people with at the beginning is figure out their message. Like for me, when I got my message clear on my website, I started getting cold traffic sign up for sessions. And then a lot of them hired me. And that was a really interesting turning point for me because I just realized that from having people find me on my website and not signing up to having them sign up, that was like not, that didn't take effort. Like that was just people who found me on Google naturally and decided what they saw was strong, like resonated enough or a lot so that they would pick up the phone and like, well, not the phone, but they, they apply for a consultation. And that didn't happen until I got my brand at, the messaging figured out. And that wasn't even that I knew exactly what my signature service was or my, my process from how do you get them from A point to B point that was consistent. It was just up, upgrading my messaging to resonate. So that was number one. And then number two, it's knowing that what am I, all, I could do a lot of things for people, as can you, as can a lot of service providers, but it's that starting to, to grow online, it's really helpful to know what lane you're picking. Like, Yes, you can do everything for everyone, but what do you really want to do for people over and over again? Build your message and your brand, your programs and all that around it so it starts to get noticed and it starts to get referred and it starts to get more clear to you on how to message it, how to market it, and you can build a community around it and that can also be more referable. I think that's the, the next step because that helps us not just sort of wait around for like, referrals and mm -hmm. you know puts it because that's always going to be a bit of a feast or famine thing I mean the only people who aren't going through some downfall like down parts in referral based businesses are ones who've really probably narrowed their niche because that you can be highly referable and have nailed your niche but if you haven't you don't have to pick the niche you don't have to say here's the thing I'm going to do but you do need to know how to message the transformation that you deliver Exactly. Because sometimes the niche comes after, after you've had 
some experience with some clients and you've put yourself out there and then, then it starts to refine itself as you're working. But if you can be clear about the transformation and the process and your role in it, then that's going to give you some initial momentum to get started. Yeah. And it'll always evolve. I mean, it's like you might start out working with someone at this phase of their life and then you realize that, oh, they've now moved to the next phase. And I love that phase. So, you're, you know, it's, that's also kind of growth of your client over time. How do you keep serving them? Because that's an amazing way to keep earning and keep helping people get better and better results. But I think it's also just like we, our niche will evolve, will evolve like a hundred percent. And so rather than trying to declare it with like a label that feels kind of uncomfortable and not really even truthful, I, it's, I would just come about it from a way of looking at what is it that you actually do for people the most often that lights you up and gets them the best results and creates raving fans. And that's the sort of area that I would focus on. And I, and even though it's painful, I would just encourage everybody to think about how they can find that, that slice of the pie that they're really uh, can stand by because it's, it's challenging. It becomes more challenging over time to not pick. It's easier to do that than it is to just be general because when general starts to fade over time and we become a risk of not getting enough clients. Yes. And so the more specific we are, Again, it comes back to positioning, right? And figuring out yep. what makes you unique and, and what's your unique place in the world. Excellent. Well, I think this is a perfect time for us to move into the make it work moment. So the make it work moment is brought to you by the Clarity Summit. So I'm super excited to announce that from September 30th through October 4th, I will be hosting the Clarity Summit, which is a virtual summit for intuitive, heart-centered coaches who are looking to build their business and their bank account and really dive deep into the art of coaching. So from business growth to audience building, from social media strategy to mindset mastery, the Clarity Summit is going to cover the basics of creating and growing a profitable and fulfilling coaching business. So to learn more and register for the Clarity Summit, just head over to claritysummit.com. You can sign up and you will get all of the information you need in your inbox. So again, head over to claritysummit.com and sign up for the Clarity Summit today. So Lisa, I have kind of a tradition with the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. When I have a guest on, I invite them to take control of the make it work moment and provide the listeners with some small action steps that they can do today to take everything that we've talked about in our episode and make it tangible, make it actionable. So I'm really curious, what do you have in store for us today with the make it work moment? Okay, so I'm going to invite you into a little exercise to figure out your signature system. Now, you can call it a signature framework. Sometimes people talk about their signature program, and that was what would come out of having a signature framework. And what I what I help people understand about this, it's really, it's a great idea to have a bit of like a container for your body of work. So it would be like the point at which your top few clients, like if you could think about three to five clients over time, you absolutely love working with, they love working with you, they got great results, they're super fans, and, and that consistency that you got for them, like you're probably pretty excited because you got them somewhere like really valuable. 
and start to think about like those few people really specifically instead of, you know, generic avatar stuff. Like I don't really think that's too helpful unless we're going out to search out like where does the audience hang out? I would say just think about those few people where, what was life like for them when they first came to you? Start thinking about what was going on for them. If you've got any kind of application forms or questionnaires or intakes that they filled out when they first started working with you, you can grab that and I would just use that directly because it's nothing like really good voice of customer data, which is just their words. And then think about where did they end up when you were finished working with them they're kind of point b where they were excited and ready to conquer the world and all the things that you promised them what was life like for them then like how did their identity change how did their life change all i just and just brainstorm as much as you can and that i would you know wager is your signature framework like that's not the framework but that's so far like the outer level like layers of it like it's the end the start point and the end point and then i would map out the the core steps like you could just have five i mean i you could probably have a lot but let's keep it simple what are the major milestones they got to or they had to get to during that a to b process and and just you know iron that out play with it over time. It's not something that you'll come up with and have this perfect thing that you're advertising to the world. It's a work in progress, but it's a really good way to understand the value that you deliver. So these are the things you do for people. This is how they felt when they came to you. And these are the steps along the way. That's where I would focus my energy. That's where I would focus my content. Like I wouldn't talk about things that were outside that scope if you're ever, you know, in an interview or on a podcast or just writing a blog post, try to keep it within those kind of, I don't know, end start and end points so that you're staying on message, you're staying on purpose and you're very, it's very obvious who you're relevant to. So instead of saying, well, I help single women who are, you know, X, Y, Z, it's really valuable to just be able to talk about the things that you do or the experiences that people have so that they can relate to it. You don't have to declare it as this is the point that I work with. It's just knowing what that actually is from the experience you've already had. Even if you've just worked with a few people, what are those commonalities? I think that's the start of really helping your business become or your skill set become a business. That's to me the starting point is when you can start to map out repeatable, consistent value delivery, like the constant thing that you're doing for people over time. Then you can start to attract more people into that same type of thing that they get from you, that same type of program, that same type of learning. And then you start to get known for the specific thing. And then it's easier to brand, it's easier to message, and it's easier to communicate on a regular basis. So that's kind of how to create a signature system or framework that you can then start developing programs and courses out of. And even if it's just one-on-one, I think that's exactly where it does start. I mean, I know that I started taking my clients through a business design session where we did a lot of the work that I'm talking about today, and then I've turned it into a workshop. But it didn't start out as a workshop, and I still offer it as a private, but it's the idea that it's, it's like I'm staying on so I'm staying focused and not meandering around with what I deliver to people. And that's the start of a scalable business. I love this. I mean, 
wow, for this make it work moment, you've basically outlined exactly how each of us can develop our own signature framework. So you don't start with something brand new. You start with clients that you've already worked with and, and you're looking at their successes and really kind of mapping out how they've moved from their before, you know, where they were at the start to where they wound up after they've worked with you and all the successes they've experienced. And then if you can highlight, you know, four or five major milestone points on that journey, then all of a sudden you've outlined the process to get them from A to B. And then you can tie in all of your content to that as well. And then you become known as the expert in that process. Totally. That's the, that's your unique process. And everybody, you know, wants to be thinking about that. It just helps you go forward too. It helps us all feel confident that we know, you know, what we're doing. We're, we're getting more and more results from it. We start to trust it because we actually invest in saying, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do for people as opposed to just being like kind of afraid to pick that point because it's that brand promise. Like, well, we can actually say, well, if you're at A and you want to get to B, I'm your person, (laughs) then that's a really strong place to be. That's a strong position to have in the market is confidence in your brand promise. And it's really hard to have that when you're like, oh, I'll help you with where, whatever you're struggling with. That's not, that's hard to be confident in. I mean, some people that is their thing and they, that, but that's not for most people. It's harder to be that confident in just being all things to all people. Well, and I love it too, because it's also rooted not in what will I do, but what have I done? Like we can reflect on uh, the accomplishments that you've helped your clients achieve. So you really are rooting it in the brand promise that you have delivered. And you're right. You can continue to expand on that as your client grows and, and develops and so forth. But like, it's just so great to be able to anchor it in what, in the work that you've already done. So, oh, this was, thank you so much, Lisa. This was a really powerful make it work moment and such a fun interview. I've so enjoyed talking to you today. This has been great. Yeah, no, it's been really fun. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff, as you can tell. Again, it's made such a big difference for me and my clients to the point where they, you know, ran some Google ads to their website and from getting nobody checking out what they're doing to getting like all their clients that way. It's just, it's like, it's kind of, you know, sad to me when people don't have their positioning and their brand, like their branding. And I don't mean like a pretty website. I mean like an actual message that converts. Mm -hmm. They're wasting money and time sending people somewhere and then not having the conversion happen. And that's not, it's not worth it. It's like, there's a shortcut to it. It's like, get people understanding what you're doing and wanting to sign up for more and then you can market it, (laughs) but you want to know, yeah, you got to know what's working. And so that's where we start. And I think that's a step that a lot of people skip. And I just want to the whole world to, to start doing this work. It's not easy work either, but it's, it's, no, but it's, it's important. Yep. It's important. Yeah. So, so if the listeners want to reach out and connect with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Well, I would encourage them to come and check out my signature framework. (laughs) I've got the noticeable brand guidebook and that can be found at lisaprincic.com forward slash freebie. And I just threw that together in, I don't know, like a year ago when I was like, what is my unique process? And so I just, you know, it became this guidebook that really guides me and all the things that I teach my clients. And I also give tons of examples of others. And so there's a lot of really good information in there and in sort of what I believe is important in growing a business and also just is my signature framework. So they can come and check that out. 
Excellent. We will have links to that in the show notes, which um, again, you'll, you can find at my website, workyourinnerwisdom.com, but certainly head over to lisaprincic.com slash freebie and download that guide. I'm going to do that right now. And uh, Lisa, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Many thanks to Lisa for coming on the show. You can learn more about her and connect with her by heading over to the show notes page. So workyourinnerwisdom.com slash 20. And I will have all the links so that you can connect with Lisa and find out more about the work that she does. And while you're at the website, be sure to click on the community tab. That will take you right over to the Work Your Inner Wisdom Facebook community. That's where spiritual, intuitive entrepreneurs just like you are meeting to support each other as they build their businesses. And every week I post an episode thread so we can take a deeper dive into everything we talk about in that week's episode. So be sure to find us over at the Work Your Inner Wisdom Facebook community, and you can find it by going to workyourinnerwisdom.com slash community. And if you want even more resources to help you build and grow your business, I got you covered. I have created an entire library filled with resources and guides to help you get really clear on the kind of business owner you want to be. So head over to workyourinnerwisdom.com slash free, and it will take you straight to the Wisdom Library where you can sign up for access. And before I sign off this week, I would like to give a special thanks and shout out to Alexandra, who left a five-star review for the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast on Apple Podcast. Alexandra writes, I am so excited to have found Lee and this podcast. There is so much information out there about being an entrepreneur, but not a whole lot about spiritual entrepreneurship. I feel like this is the business advice I've been waiting for for a long time. I also love that she gives tangible action steps that you can put into practice. This is rejuvenating my sense of purpose and determination in being a spiritual entrepreneur. Oh, Andrea, your words have touched my heart. I am so grateful that you are finding this podcast to be supportive in your journey of spiritual entrepreneurship, and I commit to continue showing up to support you and all of the listeners along the way. So Alexandra, thank you for leaving your review. And if you feel the same way as Alexandra does, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review for Work Your Inner Wisdom. It really does help us grow the podcast and connect with more spiritual entrepreneurs. So next week, I have a brand new episode ready for you, and I am so excited. Last week, we talked all about finding your purpose in episode 19. Well, next week, we're going to talk about what it means to truly say yes to your purpose. It is going to be a fantastic episode, so I cannot wait to join you next week. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful week. My name is Lee Shea McDonough, and I'm reminding you to let your inner wisdom lead the way. <laughs>